This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I want to thank you for being one of over 420,000 Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers. I want to thank my sponsor, Halt and Honda, and I want to thank my friends and family over C-Suite Radio Network, where you can also find the podcast link following the live show of my guests. So today, I am joined by a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, mentor, intangible mentor of mine. This gentleman is Tom Ziegler. So who is Tom Ziegler? Well, Tom Ziegler has had the rare privilege of spending his entire life surrounded by world-class leaders, innovators, and motivators. Family dinner included the presence of the world's top motivator, his father, Zig Ziegler. As a result, Tom's arsenal of experience and information is absolutely unparalleled. As CEO of Ziegler, Inc., Tom Ziegler carries on the Ziegler philosophy. You can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. Tom Ziegler was a key collaborator with his father on Zig Ziegler's 30th book, Born to Win. The Born to Win philosophy is both profoundly simple and simply profound. You must plan to win and prepare to win, then and only then can you expect to win. Tom's greatest business triumphs are the result of bringing people to this elementary realization. You are born to win, so go ahead and live to win. You can have a life of success and significance, and you can leave a legacy that will ripple through eternity. Tom speaks around the world to billion-dollar companies, small business owners, and prestigious academic institutions, including Cambridge and Harvard. Leadership business and performance are among Tom's favored topics. His unique education, life experience, and innate gifts perfectly position Tom to serve top executives. His ability to hone in on the crux of a business issue and provide premium-level coaching allows his clients to take their business further than they ever dreamed possible. The Ziegler brand is more relevant today than ever. Ziegler has exceeded 4 million likes on Facebook, and The Ziegler Show has become one of the top-ranked business podcasts. The world is hungry for inspiration, motivation, and hope. With Tom's innovation, Ziegler has become the go-to resource. Just wow. Welcome, Tom, to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I can't thank you enough for the gift of your time. This is such an honor and such a privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, we're just going to dive in. Everybody knows that uh, my approach to everything is unscripted. I think it makes for a much more organic uh, conversation because you never quite know how it's going to segue into things that otherwise wouldn't be unearthed within the conversation. So there's a few things that I just want to tap into, uh, you know, for the benefit of the listening audience. So I, I want to hear from you, Tom, I want to hear, I've got so many things I want to ask you, but I want to talk about the bicycle of life, the born to win philosophy, the four pillars of business, what they are. Uh, so maybe we can start with there knowing that the Zigglers are in the transportation business. And if you can maybe tell us what that all means. <laughs> yeah. So, so growing up, uh, you know, in the Ziegler family and having dad, uh, and I'll just say that as good as dad was on stage, he was even better off stage. The, the born to win bike, uh, is an illustration that I use. And what it really means is that the back wheel of your bike, if you're going to, you know, we, we say at Ziggler, we're in the transportation business. We help you get from where you are to where you want to go. And the bike, the metaphor is, is the back wheel is what we call the wheel of life. So these are what we feel are the seven components that you need to have 
you know, balanced and successful uh, results in, in order to have a great life. And that's the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. And so, and career can be anything. It can be as a business owner. It could be working for someone else. It, you know, there's a lot. It's it's how you basically uh, invest your time to uh, create a living. Mm-hmm. But those seven spokes on that wheel, imagine the wheel, and each one of those is a spoke. We want them all to be on a scale of one to ten. We want them all to be tens. Yes, we do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean when you think about it, when you think about the, your mental and your thought life and, and your attitude and, and how you approach things, your beliefs, when you think of the spiritual, and these are the, these are the intangible qualities. These, these are things like, like honesty and integrity and faith and love. And then you think of the physical body, you know, our, our health. Do we sleep enough? Are we eating right? Are we, you know, getting enough exercise? And then family. It's our relationships with those we love most. And then the financial, gosh, if, if, if we don't have the capacity to meet our needs and help others meet theirs, that's, that's not a good place. And then personally, we've got to be fulfilled and do the things we want to do. And then we've got to have a career uh, that allows us to serve and solve the problems of others. If we don't have balance in that, then we're in for a rough ride. Mm-hmm. So that's the back, that's the back wheel of the, of the bike. Uh, the front wheel is we, it's your economic engine. So it's whatever you're doing. The seat of your bike is character. And so as you're riding your bike, right? Imagine you got your back wheel, your personal side, you got your front wheel, what you're doing to make a living, a difference in the world. And you're sitting on the seat of character. Your handlebars are your vision. You know, the handlebars are kind of a V. And so you're looking through your handlebars of vision of where you want to go. And then most of us are pedaling like crazy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Never ends. It doesn't stop. No. And so there's a chain on this bike and, and the chain is simply the goals that you have. And so when you pedal like crazy, if you've ever, have you ever, Lisa, have you ever been on a bike when the chain came off and you're just spinning? Oh, maybe two or three times, but who's counting, right? Yeah. And so goals are actually the links of the chain that connect activity to accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting on our bike, we're pedaling like crazy, the chain's connected, and the seat is the seat of character. And really character and integrity is the filter through which we make our ethical decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I say the more character, the more, you know, the more integrity that you have, the better your filter, the better you are to make the tough decisions. And these are road bumps in our life. And so imagine going, you know, 30 miles an hour and there's a big bump in front of you. If you have a lot of integrity, what you're doing is you're sitting on a, on a really soft and lush seat of character and you kind of go over the bump. It's not necessarily enjoyable, but you, you just make the right choice and you move on. You say no to uh, the get rich quick scheme. You say no to, uh, doing business with a bad person, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have character or integrity and that decision comes along, it's, it's literally like sitting on a seat post and hitting that bump. Mm-hmm. That's where we get in trouble. So this bike is a metaphor. And so when we look at the business side of the bike, like if you're a small business owner, we say there's five spokes in the wheel of a small business owner. There's the the marketing, the sales, the operations, the administration, and the leadership. So every business needs to have success in those five areas. And so now you can see how your bike goes uh, down the road. That's what uh, we did at the, in the Born to Win book that we wrote with Dad is we tried to give people a visual of, hey, this is how I really work on and focus on developing my life. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, you know, I can imagine for all the extensive interviews that you do and for the people who, you know, quote you and the articles that you appear in, you know, there's no doubt that the question that oftentimes would be posed to you is, you know, how does it feel for you in terms of the challenges it presents having to measure up to such a legendary, epic, timeless figure such as Zig Ziglar being his son and carrying on the legacy? 
And, you know, uh, the one way I've I've listened to many of your interviews and the one answer that you gave that I absolutely loved, which I think speaks volumes about your dad outside of what publicly people would already know about him in terms of all of his quotes, his books, etc., is you mentioned about train up. You know, B, do have philosophy. So maybe for the listening audience, you can explain a little bit more in depth as to what that means, uh, Tom. Sure. So our philosophy is real simple. Uh, what we want to do is we want to transform people. We want to equip and encourage and engage and empower you to be, do, and have all that life has to offer. Mm-hmm. And so what we are is we are really in the transformation business. So one of the things, there's a proverb that says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from the path. Uh, when you get into the original words, uh, I think in Hebrew, uh, in the way he should go, what it means is, is in the way he's bent. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is kind of cool because if you've, if, if for all the listeners, if you've had more than, if you're a mom or a dad and you've had more than one child, you know they're different. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. All, <laughs> they've got their own unique uh, gifts and talents and personality and, you know, all these different things. And so what the bet means is that as parents, we need to recognize our children's strengths our, their personality style, the, the way they're bent. Now it doesn't change the, the, the principles, the values, the integrity piece of the, of the raising up, right? That stays the same. Those never change, but we've got to acknowledge who they are and what their gifts are because not everybody, if you have five kids, you're not going to have five doctors or five salespeople or five engineers. You're going to have five unique human beings. Absolutely. And so what dad told us, uh, and he kind of prefaced the question was, how was it and was it hard? Uh, this is an interesting thing because when I started speaking, in the very beginning, it was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And I tried to figure out why I had so much anxiousness about it. And, and what I came to, to understand is that I had a belief that was wrong. My belief was is that, because I was Zig Ziglar's son, people would ex- expect me to speak like Zig Ziglar. Right. And he's like one of a kind. Nobody in history will ever speak like Zig Ziglar except for Zig Ziglar. True. Absolutely. And so dad told us when we were growing up, uh, he, myself and my sisters, he told us two things. He said, whatever you want to do in life, the only, the only two things that I ask is that you do it with 100% integrity and 100% effort. Mm-hmm. And so when I put those two thoughts together, why am I anxious and what did dad really tell me, that gave me the freedom because what dad was saying was, hey, be transparent, be authentic, be who you are. Use your own style, your own gifts, your own expertise, but do it with integrity and give it 100%. Beautiful. And so that's freedom. And that's what we all, we, you know, dad had a quote about success. He said, success is not what you do compared to what someone else does. Success is what you do with the gifts that God gave you. Love it. And so that is a freedom statement right there. So what are the gifts and talents that you've been gifted? Well, the other thing that you uh, you mentioned too, you talk uh, quite openly, quite candidly, and quite consistently about is what PC means to the Ziegler family. What does PC mean to you, and how do you embody it? How do you emit it? Well, PC, uh, you know, in today's uh, world <laughs> of media and politics, uh, people either think, well, they probably think that's political correctness. Right. Some people might think, oh, that's a computer. Uh, (laughs) But in the Ziegler language, PC stands for persistent consistency, which is our our – pedal like crazy. Pedal like crazy, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So PC, pedal like crazy, uh, it's our Ziegler definition of work ethic. Uh, When people would ask, 
dad and say, you know, what's your number one reason for success? He would always say honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. So when we were writing the book, Born to Win, I said, uh, dad, what's your number two reason for success? And that's when he said PC, persistent consistency. And even though he told me that many times, I wanted to hear him say it again. I said, Dad, what does persistent consistency mean? And he said, oh, son, that's simple. He said, when you have a worthy goal or objective that you want to accomplish, consistency means you work on it every day or as often as necessary. And then persistency means that when you're working on it, you just take it up a notch every time. You just do a little extra. You mm-hmm. ask one more question. You do one more push-up. You go one more minute. You know, you just you just up it just a little bit. And when you look at the real overnight, quote-unquote, overnight success stories, it's really people who invest a life of consistency on what they're going for, and then every time they're working on it, they just go a little bit further. They just do a little bit more. That's what what it boils down to is how you change your life and how you change the world. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And the other thing that I I paid attention to, which I thought was very interesting, which, again, I think would be beneficial for the listening audience to hear about, because, you know, it's all about the stories. It's about the storytelling. It's about the backstory. And one of the things that I uh, listened to, I tuned into, which I thought was just a lovely story, which I would really appreciate if you could share with us, Tom, is the Manila Envelope story. Ah, Okay. So you're talking about the plane ride. Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. People will say, hey, what's the name of that story? And they'll give me a name. And I'm like, what? Because we have internal names for all the stories. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. So here's the, uh, uh, yeah, so that is the uh, dad and I were actually, this is kind of fun. Uh, this was probably 20 years ago. And when I would travel with dad, he had this routine. And we'd get on the plane early. Uh, he had so many miles. Uh, he had that, you know, that advantage to get on early. And what he would do is he would get in the plane, get in the seat, and then he would tell the flight attendant, hey, I'm going to, my seatbelt's buckled. I'm going to take a nap. So don't wake me up. I don't need anything to drink. I don't, you know, I'm good. And he would take his manila folder and he'd put it in the seat next to him. Mm-hmm. And he'd fall asleep, and we would be at the gate. He'd be asleep. We'd be taxiing. He would be asleep. We would be taken off. He would fall. You know, he was still asleep. Mm-hmm. And you hit that altitude in the plane. You know, when the wheels kind of fold underneath, and you hear that electric motor kind of whirl sound. You know, whatever that sound is. And that was Dad's like signal to wake up. So I'd look over, and he'd wake up, and he'd put his glasses back on, or, or you know, he'd. And then he would get that folder out from beside him and he would open it up and he'd start working. So on this flight, we were going, I think we were going out to Las Vegas. I thought, you know, I'm going to, I know what he's doing, but I'm going to ask him. I said, dad, what are you doing? I said, he said, uh, well, son, I'm working on my speech for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I said, dad, you know, you've, you've probably given that speech a thousand times. Why are you doing it? And for those of you who don't know, Dad uh, invested at least three hours of preparation for every speech he ever gave. That's right. Um, and so I knew that's what he was doing, but I wanted to hear him. And he said, uh, "He said, son, there's two reasons why I'm doing it. First off is this. There's going to be some people in that room who have never heard me before. I've got one chance to make the best first impression possible. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe, I will give someone an idea in that room that they will start to implement into their life, and that one idea will lead to a domino of change that will totally change that person. I can't miss that opportunity. And then he said, number two is every speech I make, even though it's almost the same, I always do some research. I always do some background. I always try to customize it a little bit. And he said, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to the VP of sales, the VP of marketing, and the CEO, and this is their big conference, and they told me about their initiatives because there's going to be 500 salespeople there. They told me about their initiatives and what their key words were, and I'm going to weave that into the talk. And then I was reading an article earlier uh, this week about their industry, 
and I got a couple ideas out of it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reference that in my presentation. Hmm. And he said that way, the people in the room will know that I took the time to make this presentation as much about them as I could. And wow! Maybe, just maybe one person in that room. That'll be the catalyst that gets them to try something new that starts to change their life that leads to that transformation, which is what we do. So. Love it. Love it. Absolutely beautiful. And so for your dad being exactly as we know him to be uh, and being very consistent with the congruency of his messaging and the way in which he raised all of you children uh, and the way that you're living your life beautifully and in integrity and in character and, and, and honesty, you know, is there, are you able to pinpoint Tom, if there is one particular piece of advice that has been the most pivotal, has been the most profound for you out of everything he would have shared with you in the raising of you, uh, you know, running a family business, uh, watching him speak on the stage. I mean, there's just so many nuggets that he imparted consistently, but is there one piece of advice that mm-hmm. resonates with you more so than anything else he's ever said or shared? Yeah, there's... There's something I've been talking about for, for quite a while. Um, and then there's a couple of new things I want to share. Uh, mm-hmm. just some real, some real simple things that, that kind of make this idea come to life. But the number one lesson that dad taught me is real simple. It's based on his quote, you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. And you can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Mm-hmm. And so what that quote really says is everything that you are and you believe are, is because of what's gone into your mind. And if you're unhappy with where you are, that's okay. You can start changing what you allow into your mind. So the lesson that dad taught me was the number one habit that we can have, the number one thing that we can do in our life is to control and make decisions on what we allow into our mind. Mm-hmm. Because what that does is that impacts our thinking, which impacts our beliefs, which impacts our actions, which impacts our results, and you get that. So I created this uh, quote, uh, the Tom Ziegler version, and the quote is, what you feed your mind determines your appetite. Oh, I love that. And isn't it true, though, in life that, you know, we, we want to lose weight. We, you know, we want to improve a relationship. We, you know, we want to do better. And, we, and so in our self-talk, what we tell ourselves is we say, don't eat that. Don't see, say that. Don't do that. And of course, what we do is we say that, we eat that, and we do that. Mm-hmm. And it's because the brain really has a hard time between do and don't. It just recognizes the action. <laughs> or, Very true. Or, and so... If you, if you want to be successful in business, you don't focus on what you don't do. You focus on what successful people in business do. Mm-hmm. So I'm speaking in Atlanta and this lady jumps up in the back of the room after I said the quote and she said, that's just like NASCAR. <laughs> you know, of course, I had no clue what she meant. And I asked her, I said, well, Explain what you mean. How does what you feed your mind determine your appetite? How is that just like NASCAR? Right. And this is what she said. She said, when you drive around the track in NASCAR, you're going 185 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And you have to look around down the road where you want to go. If your eyes ever look at the wall, At that speed, your hands will make a micro adjustment to where your eyes are focused and you will hit the wall. Wow. Very true. And isn't life the same way? We've got to be totally focused on to where we want to go, not what we want to avoid. Absolutely. And so, and so based on that, that's a good segue because, you know, one of the standard questions, again, it's unscripted, but one of the things I'm always interested to know from my guest is, you know, what are some of your daily mantras? What are some of your daily rituals? What helps recalibrate you? Because of course we're human beings and it doesn't matter how many tools we have in our toolbox or how authentic we walk or talk, but we're all faced with adversity and challenge and sometimes it takes a while to recalibrate. 
but being cognizant of the mindset and knowing, okay, we've just shifted. I've gotten out of what serves me. I've gotten out of being in the zone, being in the flow. So when you find yourself in those particular moments, how do you recalibrate? What works for you specifically, Tom, in terms of daily rituals, mantras, or, or just thought processes? I'll give you a couple ideas. First off, I practice what I call the perfect start. Mm-hmm. The perfect start is my word for me, and I, and I recommend your, your own version of this. But I get up first thing in the morning. I like coffee. I get my coffee. But before I get into email or text or social media or anything, I do my perfect start. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do, and this takes about five minutes, is I do what I call two chairs. Uh, one of my good friends wrote a book called Two Chairs. It's one of the most impactful, revolutionary books that I've read. And Two Chairs is a real simple concept. One chair is for you, and one chair is for God. Mm-hmm. And you ask the same three questions. <laughs> God. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> well, of course. The creator, yeah, he, he's got he's got that covered. Two, mm-hmm. God, are you big enough to handle it? <laughs> yeah, he's God. Mm-hmm. The third one is where this is the hard one. What's the plan? Mm-hmm. And this is where you listen. And so there's about one minute of me talking and four minutes of me listening. Mm, I like the ratio. And yeah. And so that's what we don't do. I mean, if the creator of the universe was willing to sit down with you for, you know, a few minutes, would you mm-hmm. show up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Warren Buffett offered you that, Hey, tomorrow at eight o'clock in the morning, you got five minutes. I don't know about you, but I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to ask me twice. And, uh, so I, I do this practice. I'll tell you something. The first three weeks that I started doing this, I kept getting the same message from, from God. Mm-hmm. And it was, you're sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many of us think we're God? You know, it's like, wait a second. There's things above my pay grade I need some help with. So right. I get that help. And then I do uh, some devotionals. I do some reading. Uh, and then I do some inspirational reading. Then I do my goal setting. Mm-hmm. We have a goal setting system process at Ziegler Performance Planner, and I work through that. And then when I um, when I schedule my appointments for the day, when I review them, right, my interviews, my speeches, the, the conversations I'm going to have, I'll do a mental model on each one of them. Mm-hmm. And this is real powerful. So uh, if you're listening, you can do this at any time. Uh, this is a great exercise to do if you have any big meetings, uh, any presentations, any any type of interactive stuff with other people. Just spend 60 seconds on each one of them. And so what I'll do is I'll envision how I think the interview is going to go or how I think the uh, conversation is going to go or how I think the sales call is going to go. And I will anticipate and think about what questions are they going to have, how could I best serve them, Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the demeanor in the room going to be? I mean, if you're in an office environment and there's some conflict going on and there's three people and you've got to get them all on the same page, you could start playing out, okay, this is their attitude, this is their disposition, this is the other person's need. And you put this mental model in place. And what it does is it literally creates slots in your brain for how you can handle whatever comes up. It doesn't have to flow the way you thought it would. Mm-hmm. You're going to be better prepared than if you did nothing. Absolutely. Okay. So all of that, what I just said, uh, that takes me like 45 minutes. And you don't, and I would recommend for people who've never done this, start with 10 minutes mm-hmm. and make it a habit. And then the second thing in that perfect start is I'll, I'll generally pick the one thing I want to get done. And that'll be my next 45 minutes. And my goal is to, is to invest an hour and a half at the very beginning of the day before the world wakes up, getting my perfect start and getting the one thing either done or going. Uh, and if, if you can do those things before you check email, before you check text, before you check social media, 
that'll that'll change your life. Well, I love and appreciate that you said that, Tom, because I think oftentimes, you know, how we start our day gets glossed over. And, you know, we know that we're always going to be bombarded with emails. We know that there's always going to be different pods of people. Some people are going to be negative. Some people are going to be positive. And, you know, if you immediately jump onto social media, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how discerning we are with who we allow onto our pages or we allow into our spheres energetically or our circles, you know, you're always going to see things come through uh, that slip through inadvertently that makes us go, oh, I wish I hadn't seen that or, you know, why do people have to be like that? Um, so I think it's so crucial and it's so important and I really appreciate that you shared with us how significant it is to set the tone for the day and going forward and getting your mindset uh, you know, adjust it for where it is that you want to go and how you want your day to play out and how to be more prepared and how to be more thoughtful in your thinking processes. Uh, because yeah, that's what, that's what ultimately governs and, and often changes the direction and the trajectory of your day. And you do that every single day, then it changes the trajectory and the, the direction of your life. Right. People underestimate, I'm sorry, people overestimate what they can do in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And they underestimate what they can do over a long period of time. True. And so even, you know, and people say, well, gosh, that's a big investment. You know, my day gets started crazy. The, the simple thing that I would recommend is get up 10 minutes earlier mm-hmm. and do a couple of the things that I just said. You don't have to just start with 10 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. what if all you did was wrote down your priorities and then envisioned your most important important meetings. Mm-hmm. That's all you did in the first 10 minutes. How different would the day be? If you then invested another four or five minutes filling your mind and your soul with good information that's educational, transformational, inspirational, uh, right. you know, that, that'll change your outlook. Uh, and so if you do, I would much rather somebody do, you know, even five minutes a day every day than an hour once a week. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's an amazing thing what these little things will do. When I started it, you know, uh, I learned habits from dad that he never taught me. I caught him. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be getting up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning to do this stuff. Right. <laughs> and now it's like if I wake up early before before the uh, clock tells me I get excited because I've got a dream to go work on. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. You're, you're preaching to the preacher here. I get that. That's yes, (laughs) absolutely. And the thing is too, what you said there, Tom, about, you know, how you spend your, your first waking hours, you know, 45 minutes on this, 45 minutes on that, giving yourself an hour and a half to get the tone set for the day, get your mind clear, you know, focused on that meeting, how you want it to go, how you're going to present, how you're going to everything. I mean, that goes back to what we talked about in terms of PC, the persistence and the, and, and, consistency and so when you when you focus on doing the right things all the time eventually the results are going to show up they can't not I mean that's what you're emitting out to the universe and although we're not the general manager of the universe I mean there you know things happen out of our control we can still make things a little bit easier for ourselves can't we oh yeah and <laughs> I, you know dad had he invented this thing called the termite philosophy Mm-hmm. And I love the termite philosophy. It's based on this quote, uh, hurricanes and tornadoes get all the publicity, but termites do so much damage. Yes, they do. And they take such little bitty bites. Mm-hmm. And so if, if somebody were to say, hey, how can I make 2018 the best year I've ever had? One advice I would give somebody is every week I would pick one of those folks of the wheel. Mm-hmm. The mental, the spiritual, the physical, you know, the seven spokes. And I would look for a little tiny bad habit that you have mm-hmm. in one area. And then for that week, and then keep it. I would just replace it with a little bitty good habit. So if let's look at mental, um, let's just say right now you're not getting any positive input at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a bad habit. Because the world is negative. I don't know if you've noticed, but, you know, bad news is free and it's everywhere. Absolutely. Oversaturated. 
yeah, you don't have to look for it. It'll find you. So, mm-hmm. you know, listening to a, a podcast like this, I mean, if all you did was, you know, in the car or when you're out exercising or whatever, you could just plugged into the good news for mm-hmm. five minutes a day. That's a little tiny good habit that'll have a huge impact. And, you know, you just go around the wheel. So you mm-hmm. do something on the spiritual side, something in the physical, something in the family. You know, don't don't say, you know what, we're going to have a three-hour family meeting every week. That's a big ask if you've never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. But what you could do is you could spend 45 seconds every day sending somebody you love a text on how proud you are of them and what they mean to you. Absolutely. Right? That's a little good habit that will break that bad habit thing. And at the end of the year, you do 52 of those. Mm-hmm. That'll change your life. Absolutely, it will. Well, and the other thing I want to say, I want to circle back to what you said there when you used your first example of, uh, you know, the spoke on the wheel and the bicycle. You know, I'm really big on accountability, and I think anybody who's truly walking their talk in the personal development world, not only do you have to be, it's a prerequisite, I mean, for authenticity, for leadership, for anything. And so rather than relying on the external world. Yes, we have our choice of, you know, do we gravitate towards the negative news, knowing there's always a surplus of that as compared to the positive stuff, which sometimes we have to seek out. But rather than relying on, okay, what's going to come through the radio waves today? You know, what book am I going to pick up and read? Yes, those are all important things to get into the right space and remain in the right space. But it's how we dialogue with ourselves because, you know, being entrepreneur too, I mean, I do a lot of things you do at a different scale, uh, Tom, but I'm I'm in isolation quite a bit in order to be focused and, and to bang stuff out all the time consistently. But if I'm not good with myself, if I'm feeding myself garbage, if I'm, you know, self-deprecating, if, I, if I'm not being my own cheerleader, if I'm not being my own micromanager in a way that's going to be, uh, you know, intuitive versus counterintuitive. So we can't, we can't rely, I think too much, we're relying on the external to feed us, feed our souls, feed our minds, feed our hearts. You have to know how to dialogue with yourself. I talk quite consistently. Be your own hero. Be your own shero. Be your own leader. Be your best friend. Because if you can manage to do that, if you can master and hone that, then what we say that we want to do with respect to our family, our friends, our children, our community, our jobs, our colleagues... You know, we have to know how to fill ourselves up, and we need to know how to do it consistently. We can't be coddled, you know. We can't be coddled and expect that it's got to come from outside. No, it comes from within. And and when you hone that, wow, are you not, like, the most generous person? Are you not the, the best listener? Are you not the most compassionate person? Are you not the best servant? You know, fundraising, all that kind of stuff, because you're in a good place with yourself, which you have to be. That's right. You know, uh, the most important story is the story you tell yourself. Yes. And I'm good friends with Seth Godin, and he's he's a marketing uh, genius. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's part of the C-suite. I'm part of the C-suite family. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's amazing. And so he, he tells this story, uh, and I got this from him. He talks about Ambien. Mm-hmm. And Ambien is a drug that people who can't sleep take. Mm-hmm. And so they did this study on Ambien because Ambien has some pretty significant side effects, mm-hmm. sleep eating, sleepwalking, things like that. And they did this study, and they studied people who have insomnia, and they said, okay, here's how much sleep you get without taking Ambien, and here's how much sleep you get when you take Ambien. Right. And what they discovered is that the people who take Ambien and have all those side effects they only get 17 minutes extra sleep. Wow. But the number one property of Ambien is it's an amnesiac. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, is you take it at 8 o'clock at night, and then at 8 o'clock in the morning when you kind of wake up and your eyes are open, and you think to yourself, wow, I can't remember anything. I must mm-hmm. have slept all night. Right. <laughs> Even though they've got video of you, you know, eating at 2 o'clock in the morning and cooking and walking all over the place, Mm -hmm. the story you tell yourself is, I slept all night, therefore I feel great. Right. And so the brain fulfills that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why 
Ambien has such a positive impact because it changes the story that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, the physicality needs will, will show up, but that's the point. That's the proof behind it. What we tell ourselves makes a difference. And I tell people there are four voices uh, out there. There's what the world says about you. Mm-hmm. There's what you sell, say about yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as a believer, as a Christian, I believe that there's a, there's a voice, an evil voice that's telling you things. Mm-hmm. And then there's what God says about you. Mm-hmm. So which one of those voices are you going to believe? Hmm. And so what I like to study is God's word. And I look at what he says about me. Mm-hmm. That's what I turn into my self-talk. That's what I say. Gotcha. Lovely. Lovely. Because you know what? Most of the world's not for you. (laughs) No. Oh, I know that. (laughs) And and unfortunately, most of our self-talk isn't the positive one. You know, most, you know, and and I'm not talking about narcissistic self-talk at all. I'm I'm talking about, you know, one of the things that I started saying is uh, I'm fitter and fitter every day and in every way. Because I want to get fitter, right? Well, yeah. you, you, the brain can't help it. You you put that in there, and the brain's going to make that happen. Absolutely. It's going to change your appetite. It's going to say, hey, why don't you walk instead of take, you know, a car, da 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 because that's the fulfillment of that self-talk. So mm-hmm. um, Dad said this, positive thinking will outperform negative thinking every time. Every time. And so I know, I know this is an above average intelligence audience. And so I want you to think about that quote. And once you understand how true it is, mm-hmm. you will change the way you talk to yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I, again, everything you're saying completely resonates with me, which is why you're an intangible mentor of mine, why the world adores your dad and you, why you're a radio guest, uh, you know, because I think it's very important. The listeners who plug into the show, this is the kind of content that they're looking for. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily in a great place, but they know that they're learning things that could be transformational. I mean, I get that feedback and testimonials all the time. So I just love the yumminess that you're imparting and sharing. And I can tell that you walked your talk and you had such a great example in your dad to make that possible. So just kind of circling back to your dad for a moment, uh, even though he's like, you know, throughout this entire dialogue that we're sharing with one another, you know, we know that November was not just the month that your dad had been born in, but it was also the month that he passed away. So what is, is November a difficult month for you, even though you always find the positives and I'm sure it's more of a celebration and, uh, you know, you're very introspective and you're reflective, but is November a difficult month for you? Yeah, so five years ago, um, Thanksgiving Day, Dad went into the hospital, mm-hmm. and then he ended up passing away November 28th. And mm-hmm. his 66th anniversary with he and Mom, they celebrated in the hospital. You know, Dad was out of it. He was, you know, not communicative, but that was uh, November 26th. And so I'll just, I'll just be kind of bare. Uh, during the Thanksgiving week, I woke up one morning and there was just, my soul was unsettled. It just wasn't right. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what the cloud was, you know, and then I realized I'm missing him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just missing him. And, when I think of him, the memories come flooding back and they're always so positive. I, I, this week on Tuesday, now this is cool. This is, this is one of the blessings that I have. Uh, we know and are blessed to know a lot of people and Ken Blanchard is a family friend. He's not a close family friend, but he and dad really admired each other. And I've known Dr. Blanchard. He's been to our offices and so he was in town. Uh, for a meeting, he wanted to meet somebody and he calls up and he says, Hey, do you want to, do you want to get together? We're supposed to record a podcast. Maybe we can do it. And the timing didn't work, but I, I, I said, you know what? I, I'm available in the morning. I'd love to meet with you. So I had three hours one on one 
with Ken Blanchard. Wow. And he is um, almost 78, I think. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had three hours with my dad. Lovely. Because the wisdom, the uh, sweet, encouraging countenance was just like dad. He just asked me question after question, wanted to know what I was doing. And then we would talk for a second and then he would teach me something. I would get my pad out and I'd start writing it down. It was, <laughs> it, was un, it was unbelievable. But the reason the connection was so tight for me uh, was you could tell that he'd spent his life working on his personal character qualities that make the big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, start with love. <laughs> Yes. Integrity. Mm-hmm. Curiosity. I mean, these these simple, yet the things that make all the difference in the world, that's what he was about. And so I, I had that. And so, you know, when I think of dad, it's it's just the memories come flooding back in. But I miss him. Yeah, of course you do. So. Of course you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that he was completely proud of you and would continue to be so to this day. Uh, and, you know, and, and maybe you still feel him. Maybe you feel he's with you, around you, and he's aware of what's going on. I mean, that's a very individual belief, and I don't know if you want to touch upon that or share that. But, I mean, he's he's always going to be imprinted and embedded in your heart and in your soul and in your mind and the decisions that you make. I'm sure oftentimes you say, okay, what would Dad do in this situation? Right? Yeah, so let me uh, just walk you through a sequence um success and we all want success mm-hmm. success is when you have more of the good things that money will buy mm-hmm. all right you'll have all of the things that money won't buy significance is when you help someone else be do or have more than they thought possible Mm-hmm. So success is kind of what we achieve and what we get. Significance is when we turn around and we start helping someone else. Absolutely. Legacy is when you teach and transfer the wisdom, the character, the principles, and the values into those you love so that they can make good decisions that will ripple through eternity. Mm. Okay. So that's what dad did. I mean, he did all three of those things, but, but, you know, Mark Batterson has a great quote. He said, inheritance is what you leave to someone. Mm-hmm. Legacy is what you leave in someone. Yes, love it. And so when we leave a legacy, what we're really doing is we're teaching and transferring the habits, the wisdom, the character, the integrity into those we love. And and I'm a, you know, I'm blessed because everywhere I go in the world, it doesn't matter whether it's Papua New Guinea or, or Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. I have friends and family there. Because they know about dad. They know about what we believe. And I'm welcomed in. It's like brothers and sisters. Um, Love it. And and so that's what legacy. So family to me, yeah, it's blood. uh, But why stop there? Exactly. You know, I'd rather, I don't care where we are in the world. You're, you know, I'd rather be family with you. Mm -hmm. I'd rather rather love you than tolerate you any day. Well put. Well put. Well, Tom, unfortunately, this time always goes way too fast for my liking. We're approaching the bottom of the hour. I just want to say, you know, for everything that you, your family, uh, you know, the legacy lives on with your dad, of course, forever will. It's eternal. It's timeless. Um, you know, and in your own unique signature way, you're following in his footsteps, but you're honoring who you are in the way that you're uniquely different. And that's what your dad also taught you to do. You know, just keep to the core principles, just hone what it is that you're passionate about and just put all that goodness out there, but doing it persistently, doing it consistently, doing it with integrity and honor and truth. So I just want to say for what you've done for my life in ways that you can't even begin to imagine what your dad has done, as well as to the listening audience, as well as to many people, thought leaders, experts within the industry, people who are very much aligned with this uh, way of thinking, mindset, leadership. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You're a beautiful, beautiful human being. Um, and I just want to wish you all my continued best and success in going forward. And uh, perhaps down the road, we have you back a little bit later because for somebody who's always accelerating at your pace and your speed and is very hungry for life, loves life, throws himself 
themselves into every single moment, maximizes every opportunity. There's obviously always going to be so much more to talk about and to highlight in terms of your career, your legacy, and what it is you continue to do and paying it forward and being of service to the planet. So you're always welcome to come back on here, my friend, always. Thank you so much. What a blessing to be on and to be a part of this. Well, you're just, again, you're, this is the kind of stuff that we, it not only resonates with us, but this is, you know, the seekers. We seek this stuff out and we're always learning from each other. And yes, a lot of people say a lot of things along the same lines of languaging, but everybody has their own distinctly unique way of prefacing things based on using their own examples, their stories, their mentors, uh, experiences. And so I just love and appreciate what it is that you shared with myself and the listeners today, Tom. And uh, I want to thank you again very much. I want to thank my listening audience. I appreciate your loyal listenership. I appreciate all the people who continually, um, you know, subscribe to the Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast. Very important that we get this type of messaging out. It's not about ego. It's not about Lisa McDonald shining. It's about the guests that I bring on who are all here committed on the path of life uh, to enrich and enhance everybody's life, knowing that we're all connected. We are all one and we're all committed to making this world a better place for the sake of our children and for our grandchildren and other generations uh, to go. So I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, I want to say thank you again to my sponsor, Halton Honda. I want to thank C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, you can find all the podcasts following the live show with each of my guests. I want to thank the 420,000 Living Fearlessly podcast subscribers, and I look forward to doing this again with you all next week. 8 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Wishing you all my very best, uplifting you to fear less and to live more. Love and gratitude. Take care. All my best, Tom. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. Visit her at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.